Welcome to the What Happened Last Week in Kurdistan podcast. As always, this podcast is based on the newsletter, What Happened Last Week in Kurdistan. And if you go to our Instagram, you're going to find a link to the newsletter there. I'm your host, I am Gilles Chouani, and today's episode is going to be divided into two parts. The first part is news about Kurdistan. We're going to start with Rojava, an interview with Muslim Kobane, some reports about Afrin, then we're going to move down to Bashur, where we'll talk about the aftermath of what happened with Iran. The second part is an interview with the hosts of the Highly Oki podcast, the first podcast out of the Kurdistan region. So starting with Rojava, Western Kurdistan, Syria. General Muslim Abdi demands knowledge on the whereabouts of over 3,000 kidnapped. General Muslim Abdi Kobani revealed in a tweet that at least 3,286 people have gone missing from the areas of Kobane, Afrin, and Jazira, with 544 kidnapped by ISIS, 2,368 by SNC, aka FSA, Free Syrian Army, with a further 374 missing within areas of government control and another 8 who've gone missing from Rojava-controlled areas. The numbers kidnapped by SNC is highly staggering, showing that they've kidnapped more than four times as even ISIS. This proves the barbarity of these pro-Turkish forces in the region. SDF stands strong. Dutch journalist Vladimir van Wilgenberg, that is a difficult name to say if you don't speak Dutch, he relayed the words of Kurdish SDF general Muslim Abdi Kobani in an article where he interviewed him. The Kurdish general said that despite the Turkish threats, they felt they were somewhat secure now because Turkey knows the strength of the SDF. And they also have to worry about triggering American sanctions if they attack Rojava further. The general also said that the reason the SDF could stand strong in the face of Turkish attacks is that, contrary to Turkish beliefs, the Arab population of Rojava stood side by side with Kurds during the attacks. And since October, more Arabs have joined the SDF. However, not all is rosy in Rojava, because the talks with Assad are at a standstill, since Assad does not want the Kurds and the SDF to keep their autonomy in Syria. So these talks have been going on for a while, and they've in part been helped along by the Russians. However, from the beginning, Assad said that he is not willing to give autonomy to any people, let alone a group as powerful and strong as the SDF. So we'll see where all of this goes. In more news about Rojava, a two-year report came out about Afril. A report by the Rojava Information Center revealed that since the Turkish occupation of Afrin, 543 people have been killed, more than 6,000 have been kidnapped, of which 3,300 are still missing, and there have been 700 instances of torture. 700. Furthermore, there have been 60 instances of confirmed rape, and military factions imposing hijab on women and forcing demographic change. You can find the complete report on rojavainformationcenter.com. That was all the news from Rojava. Now we're going to move on to Bashur, South Kurdistan, Iraq. 22 missiles, 5 aimed at Erbil, Holer. In retaliation to their commander's death, Iranian forces launched 22 missiles aimed at U.S. bases located in both Ain Assad and Erbil. Again, Holer. Thank goodness there was barely any damage with zero casualties in all of the strikes. While most of the strikes targeted the U.S. bases, one of the missiles hit Berdarash district. But again, thankfully, no casualties. 
For people who don't know, Berdarash falls in the Betinan region of South Kurdistan. But again, thankfully, there were no casualties. It seems with these strikes, Iran managed, for the lack of a better phrase, kill several birds with one stone. The Iranians needed to both show their strength to the media and the world, please their population and send a warning to the Sunnis and Kurds who had refused to participate in a vote initiated by the Shias in Iraq to force all foreign military to withdraw from the country. And while we say all foreign military, and while they might say that as well, that does not include Iranians. Iran seemed to have planned this very well and managed to avert war with strikes while also pleasing their population, until it turned out that they had shot down a civilian plane, killing everyone on board and creating more protests and unrest in the region. But that's another story for what happened last week. If you don't know, what happened last week is our sister newsletter. They cover international news, not just Kurdish. Moving on from that, Kurdish PM denies any involvement in Soleimani's death. Kurdish PM Barzani denies in a statement having any involvement in Qasem Soleimani's death after it was reported in Kehan newspaper that Mike Pompeo personally thanked the PM for his role in Soleimani's death. The PM also reiterated the importance of de-escalating the situation. However, credits where credit is due, the Kurdish government and parties played a vital role in keeping the region safe while managing to ease tensions with both sides. If only they could be as well-behaved and strategic when it comes to tackling corruption. And that kind of segues me into the next part very, very well. Kurdistan's real transparency issues isn't oil. The KRG supposedly is going through massive reforms, and we've managed to cover this in recent newsletters as well as our podcasts. So if you want to find out more, keep listening. But there's one thing that the government might not be willing to do, and that is transparency from the border and travel points. In fact, the situation regarding these points are getting out of hand in such a way that it might be the most dangerous thing that the region faces. So what's going on? To put it simply, these border points, along with airports at times, have become a haven for corruption, while at the same time it doesn't get the notice and the scrutiny that the oil sector is getting. Kurdish MP Ali Hamasala has been investigating this issue for a while now, and his findings are worrying to say the least. So what do these issues include? First off, we have no clue how much income the government is making from these. Unlike oil sales in which people can at least follow the oil prices and have some vague awareness of the monthly barrel export from the region, the same cannot be said about these border points. While it's not clear how much the income is from these points, it was rumored that the Ibrahim Khalil point alone was worth an average of $1.5 million per day. And that was back in 1996. So just imagine how much the five border points and two airports make in a month. And many imports are said to be entering without tariff control. According to the MP doing the investigation, tons and tons of products are being imported without any commission being paid. These products include ghee, cigarettes, eggs, frozen chicken, and more. Ali also confirmed that he was told by the head of commission that they were told, or rather they were advised, to close their eyes when these imports come through. Just a reminder that not only are these products coming in illegally, they also have a negative impact on the region's local production, in particular, the agricultural sector. The other main issue is the amount of expired or bad quality products that may enter the region without any barriers. This is very unfortunate for the region, 
and drastic measures have to be taken to combat this ever-rising threat. To sort of give you an idea of what these border points are like and how they're managed, a friend of mine told me a story that his father had told him once. A, um, a local business owner had gone to one of the political parties and told them that he wants to import iron and steel from the Kurdish regions of uh, Turkey, so in, from Bakur, uh, northern Kurdistan. And the political party, or the official from the political party, had told him he would agree to that and he would let his men carry these products into Kurdistan if they would give him 80% of, of, uh, of the revenue. And obviously the businessman rejected this proposal and this resulted in the money going to other companies, non-Kurdish companies who don't invest locally and furthermore hurting the economy. This is part of the problem. Another problem like I just mentioned is the, the quality of the products coming in. I have been personally witness to many, many products causing diseases to people. Some, some coming in from Iran, some coming in from Turkey. And really, this is a huge, huge, huge issue. Without any sort of control over these borders, what we're getting is harm to the economy and potentially harm to the citizens because of bad products. So I hope this investigation leads to something. Moving on, reforms may not include MPs' pensions. In more not-so-cheery news regarding the reforms, controversy is stirring over MPs' pensions. So what's the problem here? You see, MPs don't have to be an MP for that long to receive a pension. That pension is quite high, over $5,000 per month. While most official workers have to have worked many, many years in order to receive their full pension, according to the new reforms set by the cabinet. In fact, the position of backing the MP pensions looks so unappealing that Goran, and new generation MPs have openly stood against this bill, while other parties won't openly admit that they're backing it either. Look, MPs, if you know that something is wrong and unpopular, just don't do it. It's not that difficult. You have to vote to stop this. Note that this bill in the parliament isn't just for MPs, but all high-ranking officials, which include ministers, PMs, deputies, etc. And the bill will be voted on very soon. So, if you're clearly worried about how this is going to look for you politically, you know it's a bad thing. Like, where's your damn moral compass? Just don't do it. Anyways, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it does go through, uh, seeing the state of Kurdish politics, but who knows. Anyways, in more news about Kurdish politics, Kurdish finance minister and living meme strikes again. Kurdish finance minister confused, angered, and amused people with another belter of a quote this week when he said salaries aren't delayed they're just late i'm i'm just gonna move on from that i think what he meant to say was that while salaries will be prepared to be paid without any impedance for more serious matters there are some technicalities that have caused slight setbacks in the timing nonetheless he was grilled for it on social media and rightly so. And in the last bit of sad news for this week, KDP detains 28 residents from Shlatze. Kurdish party and majority holder in the Kurdish parliament, KDP, Kurdistan Democratic Party, 
detained 28 citizens of the town of Shladze, according to Kurdish journalist Renwar Najm. What's important about this is that, according to the relatives of the detainees, these 28 took part in storming Turkish bases in the town of Shladze last year. So again, uh, if you weren't aware of what happened last year in Shladze, Kurdish people stormed these Turkish bases having been completely sick of what Turkey does to Kurds. Uh, some of them were set on fire, and there were, I think they seized a tank or two. But in the end, with the help of the Kurdish parties actually, these stormings, or rather this sort of grassroots movement to kick out uh, Turkey from Kurdistan was eventually killed off. And now we see that our Kurdish parties might not be looking out for our best interests after all. Is this a surprise to anyone? No, not, not really, no. <laughs> Alright, we're going to move on to some more happy news. The Boycott Weekly. Egypt and the Arab world. Now, on to some interesting news this week regarding the boycott. After Turkey's recent interventions in Libya, the Egyptian parliament has begun calls for a state boycott of all Turkish products, while also urging other Arab nations to do the same. This by itself would further devastate the country's economy, which will be traced back to its military decisions that put them in this mess. Now, here's the irony of all of this, right? Turkey is supporting the LNA, because, and I believe it's the LNA or it's the GNA. Um, these names are so confusing. Anyways, Turkey is supporting a certain group in Libya because that certain group in Libya were giving a, I believe, 20 billion contract to Turkish businesses. Or rather, there was Turkey was getting 20 billion from business with Libya. I don't know the exact details of it, but I'm just, you know what I mean? That's the irony of it. That is the irony, that is the sweet, happy, wonderful, jubilant irony of all of this. As you can tell from my voice, <laughs> I am a little happy. I hope this happens. I hope this happens and Erdogan loses his place. I hope the Turkish economy goes so bad that they even have to pull out of Syria. I hope so. Turkey has been just harassing and killing and murdering and just imposing themselves over everyone in the region and if this happens i this would be wonderful 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 i'm sorry for <laughs> i'm just very happy about this i hope this happens i hope the other arab nations you know boycott turkish products maybe for once we're gonna rid the middle east of at least one country's hegemony i hope it happens now, on to some less impactful news, but definitely noteworthy news. Kurdish poet Dilzar celebrates a century of life. The Kurdish poet became 100 years old this week, so happy birthday to him, and we hope to see him live, alive and well for many, many more years. And this is really wonderful to see, personally for me, because Kurdish literature is one of the things which I revere the most, and to see a Kurdish poet and a Kurdish creator of literature be respected in this way so officially so publicly is a wonderful thing to see another news nine kurdish pilots have graduated from the air force and kurdish singer navid zerdi navid the way he pronounces it he stopped singing and he deleted all of his social media posts now i have always given navid zerdi a hard time due to the fact that he would go to turkey 
and record his videos, his music videos, and not do it in Kurdistan. But seeing some of the things that he wrote on his social media regarding why he's stopping is really um, making me think twice. Perhaps there were forces that were imposing their will on him and made him go to Turkey for this. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that he's a good artist and he has some good songs and uh, his part in the Kurdish music industry might be missed. We'll see what happens. That was all the news from Kurdistan. And the next part is an interview with the hosts of the Highly Okay podcast. With me on the phone right now are the hosts of the Highly Okay podcast, Sanzeur and Shadhuner. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Uh, it's good to be with you. Glad to have you. So before I get into talking about the podcast, I just want to ask you guys what it's been like in Kurdistan ever since the Iran attacks. Well, for me, uh, personally, I'm, I'm the sort of guy who doesn't really go around, uh, you know, bazaar and whatnot. But I did go once ever since it did happen. And it's been interesting, man. It's just been funny seeing the takes, you know what I mean? Especially what happened with after um, what happened in Syria, what happened with Turkey, you know, give, Trump giving the green light. It's just been funny because it's, all, it's almost as if we've jumped back to the American boat again. Um, you know, it's just been like, uh, yeah, good thing that Qasim's dead. And um, it's just been, yeah, it's been mixed. It hasn't really been mixed, but it's just been like typical Kurdish, whatever floats our boat, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah for yeah. me as well, it was less of, uh, like, just the general feeling was less fear and more confusion. And the internet really jumped on the memes right away as well. And <laughs> Kurds had a really good sense of humor about this one. I feel like everyone's so numb to wars and, you know, it was it's so expected for another war to happen at any minute, so... I don't think uh, it was a big shock to anyone. Everyone's just hoping that it wouldn't happen. But I don't think there was a lot of fear. It was just more of confusion. And I hope nothing happens. Yeah. I, before you yeah. Uh, we move on, like I, I, I was uh, I was in a chakhana in Bazar. Just that one time that I went, I'm taking this. I'm taking this all out. That one time that I went, um, <laughs> I uh, I was in a chakhana and some dude was talking about it. He was like, oh. Uh, but I saw the guy said, What do you mean? You know what I mean? So there was like, there's still that patriotism, and it's nice to see, even after all this, you know. That guy was thinking about the map the whole time he was saying that. Yeah. Just for our non-Kurdish speaking listeners, what Chad said right there was, he was in Bazar and there were a few people talking about how might as well just get it over with, let the war happen and get it over with. And someone else replied that we, you know, us Kurds, could be the victims of that. But yeah, it's it's really interesting because you look on social media, right? You look on social media and looks like Armageddon. Everyone's like freaking the fuck out. Oh, yeah. And then hearing what you guys are saying from actually on the ground happening in Kurdistan, 
it really doesn't seem like people are panicking as much. Yeah, man, it's good to be reporting for you, but <laughs> I don't think there's a general <laughs> panic going around. Like, no, not any. I don't see anyone stocking up on like food or whatever. It's just like it happened, you know, in two thousand two, yeah, two thousand three. Because I remember back in two thousand, uh, what was it, two thousand one or two thousand two when Saddam fell? Yeah, that... I remember back then. Uh, my family and I, we sort of fled to the countryside because we were worried about another chemical attack happening yeah but you know obviously very different times anyways uh, thank you guys for letting me know how it's been there um so yep. i really want to start asking you guys some questions about your podcast sure let's do it uh <laughs> beginning at the beginning <laughs> why a podcast how did you start and where did the name come from um well why a podcast is because i think both shad and i were very big podcast fans and we would start talking about it. we would you know watch people like joe rogan like h3 podcast he would watch ben shapiro <laughs> so you know we'd have a little bit of everything like some comedy some politics some i don't know dmt guy stuff and on top of that like what we'd notice is sometimes we'd be you know chilling talking to each other and then like a, a lot of the time we'd notice we'd, we 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 usually say like, oh man, this sounds like something we'd say on a podcast or something. Or you know? I wish this was recorded. <laughs> I, I like... wish this was recorded. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which I think is how most podcasts are made in the, like, anyways. Yeah, like, it's just, just a, bunch a bunch of, of white dudes. Just a bunch of people, yeah. bunch of white dudes. <laughs> like, we should totally make a podcast. <laughs> yeah, man, let's make a podcast, dude. But yeah, we actually done it and we, we wanted to be the first people to make it. Yeah. No, no, we didn't want to be we the first people to make it, but we, we knew that it wasn't like a thing that was trending, yeah. so to speak, in Kurdistan. But yeah, we wanted to, you know, we, yeah, we wanted to do it because we really liked it ourselves. And if, if you do like the profession or the stuff, it, it makes it so much easier to do. So he, he asked uh, why Highly OK podcast. And why Highly OK? The name yeah, the, the name. name was just, I don't know, it was just a silly thing I came up with. Uh, Pickford from, you know, England, the English, England team during the World Cup. He wasn't doing that bad. Like he was a decent goalkeeper and he made a few good saves. And one night I tweeted that he's highly okay. And it started becoming an inside joke between, you know, me, Shad, and like the uh, the rest of the guys. So when we did make the podcast, we just stuck with that name. And so far it's been a highly, highly okay, okay name. Yeah, mm. Highly it's okay. Been, I mean, and the podcast has been highly okay. It's been more than highly okay. <laughs> Thank you. We appreciate uh, it. <laughs> and I as always, usually with us as well. It's not just us two. Yeah, like, yeah. Big had, shout out yeah. to Aya. Yeah, big like, shout out to Aya. She's the biggest, one of the big parts of the podcast. Yeah. So there would be less fights without Aya, like less disagreements. Yeah. So it wouldn't be as <laughs> yeah, fun or entertaining. Yeah. Thank God for her bad views. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing. Like people wouldn't really expect it coming from a podcast that's based in Kurdistan. But the arguments and disagreements that you guys usually have on the podcast, especially between Aya and Shad are really liberal versus conservative, left wing versus right wing. They're and weirdly, like I've noticed Shad. Like they're yeah? uh, basically they have conflicts on ideals of the Western world or things that are not very like things that you cannot very much implement uh, where we live. So I don't know how why they're so heated about it. That's why I'm always in the middle when they do argue about that stuff, because I'm like, where do you guys even get this from? Yeah, so I mean, I'm not as passionate about it as they, they are. Yeah, and it's like, um, as I said earlier, we're kind of, I, I, I don't know, I sound less, but I'm kind of detached from the whole Kurdistan stratosphere. So I'm like, kind of more inclined to listen to Ben Shapiro than I'm going to listen to Ranj. 
Sun Gary. Sun Gary, you know what I mean? Even though I do yeah. every now and again. Very good journalist. So, yeah, I, I'm more into that. And, you know, it's like you, you can tell from Kurdish Twitter, a lot of people here are interested in those sort of things. So, Most we try and, you know, bring up um, Western uh, ideals and social norms and we try and relate them, them to what we have in Kurdistan. And Give it like a Kurdish perspective mm-hmm. to whatever is going on around the world. So, yeah. it could be local issues, it could be, you know, politics or big events happening around the world or just sometimes you know how to make a bam sandwich or just you know the lighter stuff yeah i love the bam sandwich i absolutely love it but uh what you guys talk about really resonates with diaspora kurds which is you know i am one i guess by default and that's kind of what i love about the podcast you talk about things that ordinarily you wouldn't expect out of a dialogue coming out of the middle east um just earlier today i watched you uh, do the decade recap i watched that episode mm, right. that you guys uploaded was it a week ago yeah yep. yeah and in the decade recap i saw some uh, or i heard rather some controversial statements but you know we're gonna stay away from that for by who i want to ask you guys well by i think it was from i and shad <laughs> right okay about the uh, the Uyghurs in china oh, oh right 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 yeah, yeah. we can talk about <laughs> yeah L- yeah little controversial but Still, like you love to hear it, uh, you love to hear different opinions about all sorts of uh, yeah, topics. Yeah, yeah. But I want to ask you guys about whether you've ever stopped yourself from talking about controversial topics in Kurdish politics or in Kurdish society in general due to being in Kurdistan. Good question. I mean, um, about anything outside of uh, Kurdistan, we we don't really shy away from. We we more uh, I, well I can speak for myself anyway. Um, I I don't shy away from uh, you know those topics uh, international topics Western topics, but I do shy away from some of the words that I might say you know uh, around the boys or around my friends. Um, but in terms of yeah, we try and look. The thing is, is in Kurdistan we have a very uh, you know for, I'll say it for the millionth time, but it's a very tribal uh, you know. Uh, a social system. system yeah yeah i couldn't say it yeah. but um <laughs> so if we do sh- you know share any of our opinions no matter how unbiased or well thought out and objective we claim to be or try to be we we know that it's going to hurt a lot of people and they, they're gonna they're gonna think that we're being disingenuous and you know, perhaps even being funded by any anyone's, and we're not. Yeah. We're we're completely self-funded, so we don't want that to be that that to resonate anywhere. That was one of the first questions that people would ask us as well. They're like, "Which party is funding you guys?" Yeah, yeah, and we we, we I've I've been and accused. You if you did say I've no. been accused, but like, not. <laughs> not like seriously really right you know what i mean so um yeah so you guys aren't funded by any political <laughs> no, no not no, that no. i know of. <laughs> not that i know of. yeah <laughs> but i would definitely agree with chad as well i would say uh, we I, I personally definitely shy away from some of the more local topics especially politically uh because i don't know man uh maybe i'm paranoid but at the same time i don't want to i don't want anyone to knock on our door after a podcast is published or something, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, on that topic, yeah, I'll, I'll share a funny story that happened. Um, we were one. I was actually about to ask about that exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we were. Wait, wait, wait. Were you going to ask specifically about the one that I was about to say? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So well, I've I know told the story. you this. I've told you this. And yeah. 
You know what? I haven't mentioned it on my on our podcast. Yeah. So, and we really should. I mean, I don't know if we should have, but it's an interesting topic. So one day we had um, what was their names? They uh, they came to to film us. Oh, uh, Dang Dang Media, yeah. Dang, Dang, Dang Media, come come over to interview us, and it was a big hit. Um, but obviously before any of this happened, they came to our house and while they came into our house, they came in with an SUV and they said, you know, where are you going as you do? Cause I live in a compound and the compound, when you come in, they, there's a checkpoint and they asked and then they told the address and then they were like, why do you have so many cameras in the SUV? Cause they look, yeah, and then, looked- uh, they called me in a, and then they, I was like, look, we're, we, they're just about to film us. We're not. You know, a business or anything like that. So let them come up, and they they did come up. They come up. We chill for a bit. I give them tea, coffee, and um, about <laughs> half an hour later, uh, a dude knocks on a door, and it's one of the security guys. And he goes, and he goes, um, "Who are you guys? Uh, why are you, uh, you know, filming in Goisha City? Have you guys got a permit?" And all of that sort of nonsense. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm literally filming us. We film ourselves and then we put it on YouTube. We don't make money out of this. This is totally self-funded and we're not bashing anyone either. And then he goes, uh, and he goes, look, it's all right. Just give me your name and your number. And good thing I had the business card right there. I was like, get out of here. And then he does. Uh, and he does. And then funny, like half an hour later, same dude comes back. And he goes, hey, look, we, we you, you really need to get a permit if you do it, any of this stuff. And I'm like, what permit? What are you even talking about? And I'm like, and then they're like, they, they go, look, this guy who's like the race or whatever. I don't know. You know, if you're Curtis, you know. The big boss. The big boss. Yeah. The, <laughs> big man. The big man. And he's like, he's on a phone. I'm like, all right. I speak to the dude and I'm like, hey, I told, I told him exactly what I told the security guy because there's really nothing else to it. I'm not making money from this. I'm literally filming ourselves. We talk about non-Kurdish topics and we like, we don't talk about the government and we put it straight on YouTube and make no money out of it. And then he goes, um, look, we've had a lot of complaints from uh, other people and politicians that there have been people in Goja City bashing uh, government officials and this is why we have we have to do this. I'm like, look, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just sitting here talking nonsense with my friends and putting on YouTube, blah, blah, blah. And then apparently, yeah, there's been people like filming themselves and, you know, doing the Estera Karim sort of thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And apparently in uh, where the compound I live, which I, I think I just exposed. You did. <laughs> I yeah. did. You can, you can that if you want right. <laughs> so um, it's a big place. You won't find me. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I was like, <laughs> look, uh, here's my number. Um, call a lawyer. Uh, sorry, take me to court if you want to. That was like the best thing I said all day. I should have just said in the beginning. Tough guy. Um, and then yeah, they they left me, and it was just not fun. Honestly, it's not nice because honestly, I'm one of those guys. I you know, Jill, you just Jill, you just mentioned it before <laughs> that I am really uh, passionate about like conserv- uh, you know, free speech, conservatism, bloody blah, blah, blah. And I'm I really really value free speech, and it did not feel nice being told that I'm not allowed to speak in my own bloody house. In their defense, I think 
these guys were just confused. They don't know how to deal with these situations. That's why they had to come back like three times and make up their opinion yeah. on whether you're allowed to do this or not. They're just seeing, you know, a bunch of cameras and they're like, what do we do? Like, nobody's putting yeah. their critical thinking hats on. Critical thinking Yeah. Critical thinking hats. <laughs> yeah. Can I have one of those? Um, <laughs> go on. <laughs> no, uh, I just want to go back to what you said earlier a little bit, just for the listeners, because we have a lot of uh, non-Kurdish listeners who, you know, sometimes when we mention a name or something, we have to kind of clarify or add context to why we mentioned it. Sure. So I said a kidding that they mentioned is a uh, for i i would say a social commentator of sorts yeah yeah and to put she's a, yeah, also to put a very yeah very critical of a lot of uh, politicians and political groups in kurdistan explicit at some as well. explicit yeah. doesn't hold explicit, back very oh, definitely detailed. explicit yeah she does not hold back no. in her but she has and, a huge well, you know what you know all power to her you know, she has the right to say whatever she wants. Yeah. And I she's mean, only got the right to yeah. say what she wants because she doesn't live in Kurdistan. Am I correct? She, I think, yeah, she lives in yeah. Yeah. She's in Sweden. She's in, she lives in Sweden, yeah, which is kind I of unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these political commentators uh, that, you know, get to talk the most shit, I don't think none of, any of them live here. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and for the reasons that you guys just mentioned, it kind of makes sense that they don't. Uh, it's, it's a little, um, for lack of a better term, dangerous to uh, be critical about politics in Kurdistan while you're living in Kurdistan. Yeah, exactly. for sure. Some people have uh, very strong opinions about, uh, you know, the these parties definitely. or the politics that's going on here. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that would count as a hindrance to the podcast due to you guys being in Kurdistan. Am I right? Um, yes and no, but in terms of the stuff that we're interested in talking about and the uh, stuff we do talk about, it doesn't hold us back too much. Uh, we would definitely talk about, you know, uh, more Kurdish politics and more local issues if maybe we lived abroad. But yeah. the way things are set up right now, I think we're very comfortable talking about, you know, all the things that we do like. And, you know, that can, like I said, that can be sometimes just uh, the fun, more lighthearted stuff. And other yeah. times the debates that I try to get in between and, and slow down. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, what are some of the topics you guys like to talk about? Because when I think about the Holly Okay podcast, what I think of is the Bam Sandwich. <laughs> if San would, is that how we're if branded? San would care to, <laughs> that's what I think of you guys. <laughs> if you would like to explain the Bam Sandwich, because like that's one of my favorite things to ever come out of your podcast. Thank I'm you, like, man. You know. I appreciate it. <laughs> the Bam. By sandwich. the way, uh, yeah. before you before you explain it, if you don't know that what the Bam Sandwich is, uh, go. Before you continue listening to this podcast, go to the Highly Okay uh, YouTube channel and watch it there. It's called How it's to a Make lot a Bam Sandwich. The, exactly. It's a lot better with the visual <laughs> cues. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, it's, it's, it's not the same without the, you know, the slap, the bam. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so what is the Bam Sandwich? You know, to put it into like, you know, sh- like a summary, the Bam sandwich is I don't know. It's one of those like set, set, very set, good. Set the setting. Set the setting. It has to be. You know, we've talked about this. It has to be a Tuesday or a Friday. You wake up like a little <laughs> bit late, around ten, ten thirty. Uh, you. I'm not gonna talk about every layer of the Bam sandwich, but it involves some uh, butter toast, some uh, some really nice juicy eggs, cheese, lettuce, honey, 
and honey is the kicker by the way so all of those things have to be together but you know like i said you have to do the bam action to it uh to really make that you know taste explode in your mouth but (laughs) yeah that was my first that was my debut to the cooking world you know but i'll try to i'll try to continue if i come up with more recipes even though it's not yeah please do yeah yeah i more drunk food right yeah absolutely Absolutely, it is a drunk food, isn't it? Like you wake up kind of late. It's, that kind of insinuates that you were drunk. It's definitely a hangover food. Um, <clears throat> so, I also want to uh, kind of get into what the future plan for the podcast is, because you guys have been going uh, strong for more than a year now. Yeah, we just uh, celebrated a year. Yeah, nice, nice, man. Congratulations. Thank you. We'll hope to see the same for you. Thank you, sir. Yeah. So, um, from for us. Well, for me, um, like what we wanted to be is we wanted to be some somewhat influential, and um, mm. you know, right now it's a hobby, and we plan to keep it as a hobby. Uh, we're not looking to make millions off this. We're probably not going to make millions off this. No, <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> yeah. oh, man. <laughs> but uh, like, we want to have a voice for a certain you know the fans that we know we speak for or you know the people that we resonate with and we want to bring on influential people which is what we've been struggling with lately actually because yeah you've you've had some really great guests on yeah we've had some great guests on really enjoyed yeah bringing people from like all aspects like you know going from yeah. kickboxing champions to professor university professors, university professors to business owners comedians, comedians yeah. Uh, gamers and a French tourist and a French tour- a French tourist, tourist. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah we really hope to keep it going and like uh Shad said uh it's a it's a hobby for now but we don't really mind because we didn't start this to make money or anything but not to pat ourselves too much on the back but I do think we talk about a lot of topics that not a lot of Kurds talk about in this region and really we do. just tried to start a conversation to be honest uh, whether the reaction is positive or negative at least uh, people are thinking about something that they weren't yesterday yeah like that's we, what we're going for we we love conversation and you know even when we aren't podcasting we we, we tend to do that like on our instagram if you follow us on uh, instagram highly okay podcast you'll every day we have a uh, what san will do he's in charge of he'll do a daily polls and ask you know, funny questions, controversial questions, you know, uh, any yeah. sort of question. Just to get people talking amongst people each other. People comment on it, rate the comment, and it's pretty fun. So we we, we want to be those guys, you know? Yeah, we want to start yeah. a conversation, that's all. And that kind of leads me into the next part of my uh, interview quite nicely. Where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, you can find us on YouTube, Twitter, and spotify spotify Instagram. but uh at just the hand yeah so it's uh it apart, all of them are just highly okay highly okay mm-hmm. and instagram is highly okay podcast if you write highly okay you know i don't yeah. think there's anyone else called highly okay there is <laughs> the very okay podcast by some white dudes in america <laughs> it's, it's, it's not as good trust me it's it's a bunch of people in their mom's basements yeah We're way yeah. cooler <laughs> way cooler <laughs> but yeah highly okay you can find it on youtube mainly but we do have spotify soundcloud 
Instagram, all the social medias, basically. Yeah, just write highly okay. You should find. You it. should find it. And we're video as well, obviously. So yeah, um, yeah. We th- th- that's what that's what that's what I guess you can see our faces. It'll be fun. <laughs> and Jill's uh, sorry, Gilles on there as well. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, Gilles on there as well. He's got he's got one of the most viewed uh, videos, and you should definitely check that one out. Yeah. If you especially if, mean, if you if you're from here, if you're if you're listening on here, you'll definitely you like should, that yeah, video. You yeah. watch <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when when I'm naturally talented, it's kind of hard not to have the most viewed yeah, oh, for sure. videos on a, there. But <laughs> aspiring writer, right? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, but. <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast obviously there's a lot more we can talk about but you know we, we want to keep it short and sweet and we would love to have you back on future episodes for sure for just sure. just like really yourself man us. just like yourself uh, this was fun oh. i had a lot of fun doing this um yeah i just came back from work my first day at work and uh <laughs> my sleep schedule is kind of bad and i'm i'm energetic man so uh i'm glad that I, i'm glad i've done this thanks for having starving. us starving it's good timing oh yep. yeah oh. absolutely uh so guys uh if you would like to check them out and hear to hear more about the highly okay podcast go to any of their handles on twitter instagram youtube spotify they are really funny they're really insightful and they're just a lot of fun to watch Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Thank you for your nice words. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Thank you, guys. Have All a right. good one, bro. Have a good one. That's all from us from the What Happened Last Week in Kurdistan podcast for this week. If you'd like to keep up with us and see what we're up to, you can follow us on Instagram at WHLW under dash Kurdistan. From there, you can also find links to our newsletter and our Patreon if you'd like to support us on Patreon. Thank you guys once again for listening. I am your host. I am Jil Shuani, and I hope you'll have a great week. <laughs>